Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. show we're joined by Marie Alessi and she's founder of Loving Life After Loss. So good morning to Marie. Good morning to you. Thank you for having me. Bless you. Thank you for being here. So we've spoken before and I am so passionate about getting you on the show. So please do Mm, share your amazing story of positive change. Well my amazing story of positive change actually has a bit of a sad beginning but uh, don't worry there is a happy ending I will share this with you so uh, it all started um, well how far back do I go I'll give it to you in a nutshell I moved to Australia when I was uh, roughly 31 met my beautiful husband to be only 10 months after I moved here funny enough so it was quite shortly after I finally moved to Australia which was what biggest dream ever Uh, met him and another 10 months later we got married and it was quite funny and such because you know if you would have told me that before I would have gone like no way I'm not going to (laughs) get married to somebody that I've only just met uh, 10 months prior but when I met Rob I was like there's no questions asked it was it it all made sense you know it's one of those things when people say how do you know and then you get this when you know, you know, I'm like, yeah. oh, well, he said, when you know, you know, but I experienced it myself. And I was like, oh, that's what they were talking about. Awesome. <laughs> yep. So we got married. We had two beautiful boys. And um, when they were 10 and eight, I received a very dreadful phone call from coroners uh, that my husband has deceased in a hotel room away on a business trip. And as you can imagine, like my whole world stood still. It was like when you receive a phone call like that, it is so unexpected. It is really something that um, you just never expect. He was in the prime of his life, 45, super fit, healthy. There was no forewarning whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's away on a business trip. And um, I I had a bit of an incline this morning because um, he was supposed to wake me up at 7.30 and I never received that phone call. And all day, it just kept building up and up and I was starting to worry and I'm texting him and trying to call him. And then I really sat with it and I had this really bizarre vision of him collapsing in the shower. So somehow I found out the hotel that he stayed because he had actually put it in my calendar. He'd often done that. He's like, I want to know where you are. I want you to know where I am when we're traveling, when we're out for business in case something happens. So it's really bizarre that he always Mm. had this and I found the name of the hotel. I rang the hotel. I told them who I am. I didn't want to freak them out. I'm like, I know this sounds really weird. I'm not one of those <laughs> freaked out wives stalking her husband. I have a really bizarre feeling that something might have happened. Can you please send somebody up to his room just to set my mind at ease, you know? And they said they would and never got back to me. And that, as you can imagine, just, you know, upped my anxiety levels. And I'm like, they're they're hiding something. They're not telling me. And they did because they were obviously not supposed to tell me. They have the procedures. Um, But this is what happened. So my world, like, literally stood still. And it felt like it was put on slow motion. I was actually at that very wall behind me there, the red wall, when I received the phone call. And I just sunk to the floor and I sat there. And I was like, what now, you know? So 
I did the worst thing I ever had to do in my life. I went downstairs and had to share the news with my eight and my 10 year old at the time. And um, there was a lot of screaming and a lot of tears involved. And um, we need to get to that positive change, don't we? <laughs> I'm trying to get through all of that because it was just so no, much to deal with. It's beautiful. And, um, well, we had to go through this whole, you know, flying over there to the other side of Australia, identifying his body, doing the funeral and and all of that and the more i went on to my grieving journey and got out of this um i call that functioning mode like at first i was just in functioning mode and i did day by day what i had to do uh, but then when it came back to you know getting back into your life after the funeral which is always a very bizarre moment because everything's completely different nothing's the same anymore this is when I started realizing day by day that I was handling grief very differently to most people I knew to the point where it's actually people started talking to me, trying to help me or making suggestions or giving me advice on what to expect, how to grieve, where I always felt like this isn't me. I've got a better solution for that. This isn't me. I've got a better answer for that. And not in a cocky sort of ego sort of way, but in a heart centered this doesn't feel right sort of way, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I went through my grieving journey my very own way. I even got to the point where I had a massive uh, nervous breakdown, screaming in the kitchen, and that was due to the fact that I felt bombarded with too much expectations, negativity, all of that. And yeah. I was like, I can't handle this. I just need peace and quiet. And I literally had a meltdown, massive meltdown in the kitchen. Uh, where I was screaming my lungs out and I was just literally screaming for peace and quiet because I got so overwhelmed with advice and expectations and what to expect that I'm like, I can't handle this. I literally needed to block all of that out. So I went on to talk to a positive psychologist because I'm like, I had a nervous breakdown. I need to talk to somebody. What am I doing with this? And I remember this very moment, which is actually this beautiful planting the seed moment for this positive change. When my psychologist sat there and I'm telling her about all these expectations of people and, I, you know, this is overwhelming me. And she looked at me super calmly and said to me, so what does grief mean to you, Marie? And I was like, wow. <laughs> Okay, so I said, I know this sounds really weird, but the first word that comes up is empowerment. I just like, wow, this is so beautiful. And I thought she would think I'm nuts, but she was like, this is so beautiful, you know. <laughs> and um, so I have to admit, it came quite as a surprise to me that this yeah. word was the first word that popped up, but I went with it. And to fast forward what happened thereafter was I actually wrote a book about the whole experience uh, that I called Loving Love After Loss. And I wrote about how I met Rob, how I fell in love with him, how we got married, had the two beautiful boys, lived like the dream life and um, how I lost him very unexpectedly and how I dealt with it. So it was the whole story of my life in a nutshell. And um, when I published this book, it not only made it to Amazon number one bestseller, which I have to admit is easy to do if you know how to work the numbers, but it actually made it to, I shouldn't say that, but that's the way it is. There's so many Amazon bestsellers out there when you know how to do it, you know how to work it. Um, and I had a lovely lady teaching me how to do it. So it was really quite easy for me. And she said to me, she's like, that's easy to achieve, Marie. What you want to go for is the top 100 list in Australia. And I was like, ooh, that sounds amazing. 
And I just couldn't believe that I reached that on the very first day I published my book. I got onto 61 of the top 100 lists in Australia. And you know what? That was the moment when I realized I had something that the world needed. The world needed permission to handle grief differently and not just get stuck in suffering. And yeah, so that, that was the beginning of my positive change. I knew, I knew this was something that I had to pursue as my calling that's that was the whole start of it really see i absolutely love that and i think people know my background's nursing yeah and with that as much as health there's also death and so i deal with grief quite a lot and we connected because obviously your tagline is like loving life after loss and i'm like yeah okay so we dug a little dell and you say it was your husband and i was really surprised Mm. but oh so grateful (laughs) that our past cross because you know when I used to work in medicine people would say sort of like you know and it could cause your relationship breakdown you know and you're not going to relate to your kids anymore and it's going to take five years to get over if you ever get over it yeah and I think we're given this a lot this is going to hurt it's going to be painful you're going to cry and yes absolutely for some but it's mm. only like five percent in reality and mm. the other 95 percent of us have this great as you say empowerment available to us mm-hmm. and i loved that we connected and that you've shared it yeah. were Me you too. i'm very grateful yeah <laughs> it's just beautiful and it's just mm. like when you moved and it was 10 months met rob it was 10 months and then you had the children. all this knowing this openness were yeah. you aware that you were open or was life just feeding you all these moments I was quite, well, I think it grew over the years. It wasn't an instant awareness. It was, um, I always had, people always ask me about my story about how I came to Australia. And I felt like, I don't know how to explain it in other words. I always had this deep knowing, this calling to come to Australia. It was like a calling that I have to be there. And I couldn't explain why. It was just deep within me. I knew this was where I had to be and I just followed that calling and it was, it took me like 12 times of flying back and forth. The 12th time was actually the um, one way flight to Australia and I knew that's when I'm staying. So it was all in the planning and the making and I wanted to do it the proper way, but it all started with a calling. So I always had quite strong intuition about where I need to be, what's uh, what needs to happen in my life and that just got stronger and stronger over the years. And, you know, I worked as a coach. I did a lot of um, working with mindset, with subconscious mind and all of that. So the more I did that, the stronger that got. And then when I lost Rob, it just completely went through the roof. So intuition has just exploded and it became my absolute guidance for everything, for personal decisions, for business decisions, for everything. And I remember shortly after losing him, um, turning to a kinesiologist and checking in with her about something, a course that came up on Facebook, funny enough, and it was a shamanic course. I'm like, I really got this thing and can you test this for me? Is this right for me? And it was funny. She came back to me two days later. So it was a weekend that I asked her, so she must have waited till Monday. And she said, yeah, I could test this for you. I could probably give you an answer, but you know what? You, You probably know the answer already within. And I'm like, yeah but that's not what I wanted to hear I wanted you know and she said to me look I'm gonna say this to you Marie because it comes up really really strongly the lesson in this for you is to trust your own inner guidance and stop asking for permission and um, all of that around you stop asking other people you know the answer and as much as I didn't want to hear it I soaked it up and I took it and I was like wow 
I needed to hear that right there and right then. And, and I went with it. I took it and I went with it. And it was the most amazing, most beautiful gift um, to receive that message and to actually really take it and live it. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Like another empowerment almost. Exactly. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so you're very intuitive and that must be one of the tools you use, but you help so many people to like embrace yeah. the positive take on grief, the yeah. other side of sadness. So mm. when you're working with people who are grieving, what tools do you use? What's the starting point of their positive change? So for that, I probably need to share because we had this pre-chat, but I think what, um, what is missing, the missing link here is I actually started, uh, I went on to start a movement out of the book, Loving Life After Loss. I then started a movement called Loving Life After Loss. I took the same title because I feel it's like a pre-selector for those people who come into this group. And in this group, I have various uh, offerings actually. So they range, like there's a complete price range as well that comes with it. And, and there's free offerings and, and there's uh, paid offerings. But what I do is there are different healing journeys that I take people on. So one is a five day that I call heart to heart. And then this five days, it's like a bit of a taste test where people learn one tool each day and everything that I share, everything in all the programs that I share has got something to do with change in perspective, because I believe that's the biggest tool there is that you look at your situation, at your grief from a different angle. And um, it is really beautiful because often for those who are stuck in the suffering, in the pain, in, in this really horrible grief pain that we sometimes can feel on a physical level, even when it's really that intense and in particular when it's fresh to find a way or find tools to step out of that and look at it from a different angle. It's, it's already shifting a lot, you know, um, when you said the other side of sadness, you know, it's, it's again, like everything has got two sides and as horrible and life changing as a death might be. Um, I always share something that I call there are hidden gifts in adversity. I call it the hidden gifts because with every death um, that you experience in your life that really affects you, when you allow yourself to actually step back and look at the bigger picture, there's always a hidden gift that comes with it. And, and that is, you know, just one of many tools that I use in my journey to actually guide people in a very gentle way to look at that because when, when a person comes to you that has lost, let's say their husband and it's really fresh, you can't just go like, I was like, Oh, so what did you learn from it? It's like, <laughs> like a slap in the face. You just can't, you know, it's like, um, it really takes time for people to get to the space where they're actually allowed to. So for me, it's that building them up step by step to that space where you can actually gently ask that question and say, what, what is the hidden gift in this? You know, because, the price that you pay, the loss, it's quite a high price to pay. So you may as well allow yourself to look at the gift that you get from that, you know, but it's a very gentle accompanying them on that journey, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. You say hidden gift. And I think it's beautiful. I say like a collateral beauty. So mm. despite the pain of anything, yeah. whether it's like you've lost a job or a husband, yeah. it's like when you've yeah. had a loss there's often a lesson in it, you know, mm. maybe it hurts like hell, but yeah. there is something, as you say, it's that perspective, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's quite hard 
I mean, I think grief hits you hard, but I think grief's quite hard because you're with your, you know, your physical, your intellectual, your emotional, your social things all going on. But society, Mm. when they're just telling you how to grieve, often Mm. by people who haven't even been through grief, it's really hard because, you know, you're just, as you said, like you just sort of scream and think, be quiet for God's sake. Mm. I don't want to know if it costs me that relationship. I lose my job, you know, my life's over. Yeah. You have that. I don't know if people are aware of their, their intuition. But we have that mm. niggle like, of, to, oh, you know, carry on, find sense, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the most important thing to understand in this is that people naturally, deep down inside, want to be happy. Nobody wants to be miserable. Even when some people get to that space where so much has happened that it was layer upon layer upon layer that this wanting to be happy might be completely covered up. But the natural state of any person is that we want to be happy. We don't want to be miserable. We don't want to be sad. We don't want to be suffering and experience pain. We want to live life. We want to, we might've lost the will to live. We might've lost the hope. We might've lost the, Uh, the ability to see that there might be healing out there. I understand all that. And in particular with those who have experienced lots of layers of trauma, of abuse, of grief, of you name it. But the natural state of all of us is that we want happiness. That's just the way it is, you know. That is so beautiful. I absolutely love that because I know it's hard to say because we always think that society is going to go what do you think you're saying you know there's some people out there going like this is you know out of order yeah but we've been there we've had the loss and there is that resilience that drive to go on but obviously we've connected before could you share how you and rob just spoke about you know (laughs) if the unthinkable ever happens because i just think it's a conversation so many people should have I I believe so too. I really feel that it is a beautiful conversation to have when you are in a loving relationship that you say, um, what if, you know, what if something was to happen to us? And we had this conversation a couple of times when there were certain triggers. Like I remember Rob driving home from work one day and he said, oh my God, I've heard this story of this four-year-old boy that died in a car accident. And he said, imagine, because, well, I think our younger boy was roughly that age at that stage when he told me that. I was like, oh my God, can you imagine? And I remember both of us getting really emotional about it, just thinking about it. Because when you're a parent, you know, your kids are the same age. You hear something like that, it really pulls on your heartstrings. You really go like, oh my God, you know, how on earth? And what will we do? And then, of, of course, we had these conversations. What would you do if something was to happen to me or to you? You know, how would you? And we both said, because we had, a very loving relationship and we were both like I would want you to be happy I would want you to find love again I would want you and I remember saying that to Rob I said I love you so much I can't imagine you not being with someone you're, you're depriving uh, people out there if you don't share your love you have to find someone and that, I also wanted it for the boys I said you know I would not want the boys to grow up completely without a mother figure in their life and I know that there is no replacement there is no replacing your uh, biological dad or mom but there can be a mother figure, there can be a father figure out there for them. And that's what I wish for you because I love you and I love my children. And um, that's what you just wish for someone when you truly love them. It's not about the ego. It's about you want them to be happy. And um, I'm really glad we had these conversations because I knew he and I both meant that wholeheartedly. Yet, you know, you always think it's theory, but then one day it might happen and it did happen in our lives. So I really urge anyone listening to this um, to have this conversation because it's quite beautiful to have, actually. 
I just think it is really powerful. I, mean, I try and have this conversation with my husband and he's just mm. sort of like, I don't want to talk about it. And he's Mr. Science, yeah. whereas I'm more spiritual. So mm. I'm thinking, well, we still communicate. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'll be absolutely rubbish, absolutely. I'm sure, if he died. But it's, yeah. I just think it's a real beauty in having the conversation, the openness, like what if, what happens yeah. kind of thing. I really I do. So too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, people have a will kit, like they, they write their will and they they talk about these things and not everybody does like we have talked about it for so long that we actually never got around to do it, which was horrible because I had to deal with so much else after that. And it really did put a huge span in the works that we didn't write the wool out. So that's my, my other urge to people to always go like, do that, you know, go and get your will done because it will really help the person who is left behind. You have to handle all that paperwork. It really overcomplicates things if you don't have that because if you don't make the decision, somebody else will make it for you. You know, that's the harsh reality of it. And and really enough, finally, after Rob passed, that was the first thing I did because I thought now it's really like it's a 50-50 chance, you know, (laughs) if something was to happen to me now, then who would make the decision? What would happen with our children? I don't want anybody else to make the decision and now it's only me. I better do it now. So that was my first thing I did after all the funeral and all that was over. I sat with my lawyer and said, I know you were right. I know you tried to say this to me for all these years, but I think now is the time to do that. So, yeah. It is really important, isn't it? Mm. So that was the beautiful, how you and Rob had that conversation about, you know, mm. what happens? Could you, yeah. would you, should you kind of thing? Yeah. I was yeah. saying earlier about how grief is it's quite hard to say, I'm very aware as I'm saying it, but grief is very negative. And I, I know, I mean, I'm going through anticipatory grief at the moment as we're, as we're here today. And grief yeah. is really hard. But do you think that some people struggle with grief, with finding the joy and the resilience Yeah, absolutely. out of duty of yeah. the one that has passed? Because they've not had those conversations. It's, it's sad. It's, it's definitely that I come across it all the time in my movement, as you can imagine, because that's what it's all about. So it's, um, a lot of people feel that this is their last connection that they have with their loved one who has passed. So if I was to let go of that, then I lose even more of him or her. And the truth is actually complete opposite. The connection lies in the beautiful memories that you have and keeping those beautiful memories alive. The connection lies in the love. When you feel that love, when you're, emotions and your focus goes to the separation the grief the loss the pain that you feel is the absence of that love that you had in your life so when you focus on that you the the absence grows everything you focus on grows bigger you know when you focus on the grief on the pain then you feel even more of that absence and even more of that pain it's like a downward spiral yet when you get to a space of i know it's hard it's it's hard to understand that and it's a, a lot easier said than done but when you get to the space of acceptance that you're like okay this loved one has passed it is horrible it hurts like hell it sucks let's face it But when you get to this space of acceptance and really focus on the love that you had in your life and the beautiful memories and focus on that, um, that's when you feel that connection a lot more than when you focus on the loss. Does that make sense? So whatever you focus on is what uh, what grows bigger. And um, often it is 
the expectation of society that is put upon us as in you know you're supposed to fall apart you're supposed to cry you're supposed to wear black for a year or whatever those weird old-fashioned stigmas around grief are they're not serving us they're not serving us any longer they're very old-fashioned and i feel that it's really time for us to revolutionize grief and allow people to feel joy and happiness again because that's what everybody wants but we feel guilty when we do I can't possibly feel like that because I've just lost my husband. Well, let's ask my husband if he was, you know, still contactable. Yeah. What do you think he would say? Oh, I want her to cry or for goodness sake, I want her to be happy. Yeah. I feel, I know what my husband would say. He would want me to be happy. I know that 100% certain. And I'm absolutely 100% certain that everybody who passes would want exactly that for their loved ones. Nobody would choose like, no, I want her to cry for the rest of her life. No one in a right mind not if they love you so the answer is quite clear i think and the direction is quite, quite yeah. clear so yeah and i think society plays a huge role and you know those who do try and be positive because i've run a death cafe here in the uk oh, wow <laughs> and um <laughs> and it's lovely because i've got people that have, you know had a loss in the last month other people have been like well i'm 15 years with my stepdad but it's people around eight years 13 yeah. years there's all different things, but it's, there's so much laughter because it is keeping those mm. memories alive when your family have stopped listening or when you've told that story yeah. so many times. And as you're yeah, saying, it. it's, you know, I always encourage people to move on in the podcast, my book and things like that. Mm. But in grief, if you're going back to grab the happy memories to help you move forward, then that's okay. Yeah. It's when you're yeah. using your past to define you, you know, that's your whole life story. I'm a widow. That's my story. And you think you need to... Mm you know keep going i believe that you know they die here on earth but i think they are evolving somewhere on their yeah. own journey and as you say they wouldn't want to look down thinking oh my gosh she's bereft my she's sad my boys are sad yeah. you know the neighborhood's yeah. sad you know yeah. but it is hard and i know it's going to resonate with some people and not with others but that's why we do the work we do isn't it because yeah. there's not one way to grieve we've all got our own story yeah. But, you know, if you're keeping the memory alive and yourself alive that's yeah. a good starting point isn't it and it's such a privilege to have a healthy life you know not everybody is that privileged and uh, that's what you shared with me before you know in, in when we had our pre-chat and I love that you said that it's the privilege of having a life and really honoring that it's not us that have died and some people act like that and I know that might sound super disrespectful to some people but it's the harsh truth and the beautiful truth that we still have in our lives and that I'm 100% certain that if you ask the loved one that you have lost what they would want for you, it's that change in perspective that is so important that they would go like, oh my God, I just want her to be happy. Yeah. That's that simple, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. So you use tools in your group. So that's to change the perspective and to move yeah. forward. Do you yeah. believe in things like affirmations or sayings that sort of like positive self-talk? Do you use those at all? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I use a process um, that is very much about observing, you know, what uh, just observing what your thought process is like, what your thought patterns are like. Do you tend to think more negative or more positive thoughts? And uh, most of us have a mixture of all of that, which is quite normal. Um, but again, it's where the focus goes, you know, to really allow yourself to observe um, is are my thought patterns more on the negative side and more on the positive side and to not buy into them if it's a negative stuff, but to observe them and go like, all right, so what's the solution for that? Because 
we usually have the solution for that. But the first step is always awareness. Awareness is always the first step to change. So if we're not aware that we have negative thought patterns, we cannot possibly change them. So that process of observing is just bringing awareness into our heart where our thought patterns actually lead us to. And when we are aware that they're negative and we can bring ourselves into solution mode, um, it's a most beautiful way of bringing us back into the positive swing of things, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love solution mode. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. So the people that come to you, because obviously there's a need, your book went to number one and all things like this, and you've got quite a large movement, like thousands of people. The Loving yeah. Life After Loss, it, it says what it does on the tin, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you work purely with people who've lost their partner or no. do other people come? Um, I work generally with loss. I have to say the majority of people, because I think it's because they can quite relate to what I've gone through. So the majority of people is female and widows in there, but there's also a lot of bereaved mothers. There's a lot of, um, some people have even come in and said, look, my husband or my wife have not died yet. I've just broken up from a 30 year marriage and I'm going through a massive amount of grief because that too is a form of loss and it's a huge yeah. loss in my life. And I do allow people to come in yet. I have to say, I'd probably say 95% of the people in my group are female and um, have lost somebody to death and not to a marriage breakup or something like that. There's the odd percentage in there, but uh, the majority has lost somebody through death. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it does because I speak about death and mini deaths and it is yeah. like when people have like, lose a way of life, you know, so mm. anything you've got emotional connection yeah. to, which is taken away from you, whether it's yeah. a marriage through breakdown yeah. or a marriage through death, yeah. you still got that void in your life, which will trigger a yeah. grief. So I get I, that. I fully agree. I have to be careful though with my movement that I protect the people that are in there by really honoring where they're at. Mm. And often I can tell um, that like, for example, one perfect example, I had one person that came in that was completely and utterly distraught by uh, losing a pet and people were like, look, with all due respect, I fully get it. But I mean, you're talking about your dog year has passed. I've lost my child, you know, can you just yeah. please not? So I had people reach out to me to uh, say like, look, I, I just can't handle this. I have to be very honest with you. And for me, it's a learning curve. I've only started this movement last year, you know, so I was also like, oh my God, how, how do I handle this? I don't want to upset him because he was really distraught. But at the same time, I also want to honor those people, um, who've gone on journeys with me and on, on programs with me to heal this. And then all of a sudden this comes up for them and they're like, I'm, I'm really upset about this. So I, I did put a, um, a new rule in my group to when people are grieving pets to please go to another group because there are pet grieving groups out yeah. there and to really have my focus on humans. So uh, yeah, it's, it's also an honoring of different ways how people grieve and that they go like, okay, yeah, I get that. But, you know, you can still talk to this person. I can't. So there's all these, there is a lot of emotion coming up. So I have to be quite aware of um, honoring all of that. And that's sometimes a little bit tricky, but um, it's a beautiful way as well, you know, for connecting with people and making them understand and aware of other people's feelings as well. Yeah. 
And it, as you're saying, it reminds me of the death cafe because mostly it's people who lost partners or mm. their siblings. Mm. But do you find no matter what your loss is, which death it was, there's like yeah. a foundation where you all have the same kind of emotions or starting point or some kind of connection? No matter what the death is, there's something yes. that connects you all. Yeah, there is definitely something that really connects you because it is something that nobody else understands. It's almost like, I think for me, the perfect comparison is like uh, being a mom, you know, a lot of people who never had kids, including myself before I became a mom, when I looked at my mom, I was like, I know what you're talking about. Just, you know, I, I know exactly what you mean when she said, oh, you'll understand when you have your own kids. I'm like, I know exactly what you mean. And then I had my own kids. I'm like, oh, that's what you meant. Okay. Yeah. There is a love that you cannot explain to anyone. The love that you have for your children, you cannot explain in words until you actually experience it. And it's the same thing with the loss, you know, unless you have experienced it, you cannot grasp the depth of emotions that it brings up in you and, and the pain that it brings up in you. Um, but then there is all these different levels of how people were brought up, what their expectations were when they grew up around grief, what they learned about how to handle grief, how to um, live with it. And you see that there, there are huge differences. There are really huge differences yeah. in mindset, in wanting to move forward, in wanting to heal, or just wanting to, like, it sounds really harsh, but some people sit there and be like, I just want to die. I just can't handle this, you know. Mm. and then you have to go through this process of distinction is that really a call out is that really suicidal thoughts or is that just under quotation marks a i can't handle this i don't know i, I don't yeah. have other other words to describe that immense pain rather than saying i don't want to experience it you know so there are a lot of layers that i had to learn how to read <laughs> these things and how to be able to guide people and, and point them in the right direction as well because I'm not here to help everyone I can't possibly help everyone sometimes you just have to uh, hold space for them allow them to be in the group but refer them on to other people when they need help from a psychologist i.e or from a suicide prevention team things like that so I do have a network around me that support me in this where I'm like I need help with this. I need help with that. I can focus on that. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And I love what you were saying because when I was researching for my next book, Good Grief, I was learning mm. about like how, you know, someone experiences loss, death, mm. how they cope. And it is like, you know, the upbringing, the religion. So what you believe happens yeah. before death, at death, after death. And in my nursing, I used to see sort of some families like, you know, this person be slipping into a state of unconsciousness and they'd be force feeding them food it looked like but to me they believed they needed that food to take them into the afterlife mm. and it's like you know what you're going to be met by is this the end or is there something yeah. and it does shape your grief reality doesn't it depending yeah. on what you believe in but yeah. when you're trying to balance that up in like with your work in a death cafe because they don't believe in the afterlife and i do and yeah. incarnations yeah. and yeah yeah it's there quite an emotive job in that yeah yeah. Does that come up in your work that you have to, I suppose, be open to it, do you, that some people do believe, yeah. others don't? Yeah, I have to be very careful in uh, what I say because I have my own beliefs. I have my own spiritual beliefs about afterlife or previous lives or things like that, um, that I... I kind of cannot, I choose not to share that openly with other people because I just literally want to be able to hold space for everyone and anyone who needs that 
um, without putting my belief onto them. So I also know there's a lot of people with um, Catholic beliefs in there and there is no belief in, or Christian, you know, uh, just to name two very common ones, um, where there is no before or after or previous lifetimes. They simply just don't believe in that. Mm but I do. So it's something that I'm happy to share here in the podcast with you that I probably wouldn't share to that extent uh, or so openly in mine, not because I'm trying to hide it, but because I'm trying to hold space for everyone's beliefs in there and allow them to heal despite or no matter what religious or spiritual beliefs they have, because that's the one thing that I believe everybody deserves and needs healing. Yeah. And that's, I love what you do. And that's a bit like the death cafe where it's like mm. a non-judgmental, you know, you're coming yeah. in, the topic's going to be death yeah. <laughs> and grief yeah. and you're just holding yeah. the space. And I don't go, yeah. you know, you don't need to know anything about my life aside from that, but I've been, yeah. you know, through loss as well kind of thing. Mm. So what tips could you give to someone that's, you know, in the muck right now and they have that little niggle that mm. I want to try and move forward. What yeah. could be the first thing they could do? The first thing that I can do is just listen to it. The one, it, it sounds really funny that I say that, but the one advice that I give to everyone is to please don't listen to everyone's advice. <laughs> like literally when, when you lose someone, you get swamped with advice. And I'm always like, just listen to your gut instinct. Do whatever feels right for you. If you want to laugh, laugh. If you want to cry, cry. But don't forget that you're okay to do all of that. You're not just supposed to cry uh, because you lost someone you're allowed to have joy and happiness and love in your life again. So just trust your gut feeling. Don't succumb to the whole pressure and expectations of society because that's really huge. Yeah, it is huge. I mean, I've been aware that people sort of say, when people have tried to do the positive, obviously people share their positivity with me, but they say like, just when you think you've taken a step forward, someone say, would it be mm. jovial? I didn't smile when my husband oh, yeah. died. Oh, oh, you've done your hair. Oh, yes. Who's going to see your I hair? Guess. And I'm like, oh my God, am I actually hearing this? Yeah. You know, yeah. so when you're trying to do the best, when you're listening, Stocking, isn't it? yeah, do yeah. be aware that people will still talk to yeah. you and still expect you to listen because it is oh, that yeah. sort of like... If you're too happy, yeah. dare you. If you're still crying, have you still not moved on? It's yeah. just there's so much expectations out there. And it's, yeah, whatever you do, you'll definitely hear somebody expecting you to do the complete opposite. So, yeah, just yeah. shut that out. It's, it's true though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, people always have something to say, but I often think maybe <laughs> at least they're being courageous enough to talk to us because some people just mm. avoid the griever, don't they? I mean, I had people yeah. zigzagging across the road. That's my, so my true. Own, yeah. yeah. So whilst they're there, mm. they're saying something, they are physically there for you. So maybe, mm. I don't know, thank them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I also feel like for all of those listening now that think, but but how on earth, what am I supposed to say? Um, I would love to say to those who haven't experienced that grief or who are on the other side and they are, you know, having this uh, encounter, <laughs> sounds weird, <laughs> uh, with somebody who's experienced loss, um, just listen, just listen to them, yeah. let them talk. Don't feel obliged that you have to share your stories about grief or your stories that you heard of somebody who dealt with it this, that, or the other way, just listen to them because that's all we need when we are grieving. We just need somebody to be there and hold space for us, hold our heart and listen. That's how my kids that I say it's no coincidence that ears look like question marks. 
they're there yeah. <laughs> do you mean? they're there for the questions and you do yeah. you know and I think it's a really good point Marie but if you don't know what to say use another sense and listen you know yeah. don't always feel that silence yeah you know, the that body is language isn't it it's quite a big yeah. thing so you know yeah be aware yeah. that's what I also say if you don't know what to say just hug me <laughs> but not even again you know unfortunately you just never know what's right what's wrong some people no. need the hug other people don't want to be touched listen to your gut instinct that's usually the best advice or even if you don't know just ask or even say look I really don't know what to say do you want me to just yeah. sit and listen do you want me to just hug you do you you know don't be shy to ask it's like often when you ask a very simple question give them options do you prefer yes. one or two because like do you want this often we don't know what to say you know but if somebody says do you want to hug yes or no I'm more than happy to say like you know what today I just rather not <laughs> but thank you or yes that's all I need <laughs> and it is yeah. that I mean people will say oh you know where I am if you need me and that's not helpful yeah. when you're in grief you want to say tell me mm. what I can do for you now how yes. are you yeah. this morning because days can seem really yeah. long when you're in grief can't they so just like how are yeah. you right now within a second yeah. yeah that tsunami that comes yeah. you think i've got this i've got this no yeah. here it comes again <laughs> i love that you say that because that's the worst thing you can say to somebody who's grieving just call me if you need anything yeah right you don't ever receive that call i can promise you that yeah you don't because you're yeah. just overwhelmed what if you're not there yeah. and then well here in england we always think like we we're not very good at asking for help even worse at yeah. accepting it so yeah exactly it goes back to your word empowerment which i love because you know you have so much strength inside mm. you know yourself better than anyone yeah which i know again comes a bit difficult like when you do lose a partner who i don't know if you say it over there but we say other half and i'd never mm. like that because you were whole before you met them you're not <laughs> yeah. half a person now yeah but it is isn't yeah. it learning to date yourself get to know yourself without that yeah. and it is just like self-love, really lucky. self-care huge thing yeah yeah and you, I've got to mention it, you just saying, which I think is really beautiful. So what I see with grief is people often get stuck because they're trying mm. to do the same thing in a changed situation. They're trying to act yeah. in an abnormal situation. Yeah. But when Rob died, you actually took the boys on holiday, didn't you? you broke yeah, the routine. So yeah. how did that yeah. come about? How did you know that was well, a good thing? It actually came about because Rob and I had a huge vision um, that we hardly shared with anyone. Like, I think nobody knew that about us, but we had this huge vision of taking the boys out of school for the whole year of 2019 and travel around the world and homeschool them for a whole year. So we had the whole itinerary standing. Uh, even, I don't know if you can see this. See that? That's my whole. Um, oh. That's my vision board of all the countries that we wanted to visit, and um, my whole. Yeah, there's four doors wardrobe. You can only see two of them. It's full of pictures where we wanted to go. We had the itinerary standing, starting in um, South America and traveling through Europe and Asia and all the way back, and literally have an endless summer for a whole year. So we had that in planning, and about half a year before Rob passed away, so it never happened. And when he died, I thought, I can't possibly travel through South America with two boys that are eight and 10. There's no way that I would do that by myself. There are certain countries that I really wanted to do with him or with somebody male to protect us. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? There were just things that I knew I would have done with him, but not without him. So I did a very condensed version of that and um, traveled around the world with the boys for two months. And it was just absolutely beautiful. It was just 
I wanted to get away from all the first milestones without him, you know, the first yeah. birthdays and Christmases and New Year's and all of that jazz. I just wanted to be away and um, away from the norm and away from what we would have usually done and create something completely different and happy memories. And that's what we did. So it was really absolutely unbelievable. And the boys still talk about that trip now. So yeah. it was really healing for us and very good to just be away from everyone for a while. So, yeah. And it is really valid, I think, as we were saying earlier, like when somebody dies, like go back and pull forth those happy memories. But it mm. is about moving forward to create new memories. Because I honestly yeah. believe they're looking down on us and they will see yeah. them. But I think oh, yeah. even if you don't believe that, as we said, you're still alive and, you know, create memories, change that routine. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the fact it's yeah. still there in your boys' memories, you're creating new memories it I was just super beautiful. surreal sitting in our pool on the Maldives going like, this is paradise, you know, this is amazing. <laughs> but um, it was so healing to have that moment of absolute bliss and beauty and paradise and calm. It was our first stop and it was so calming us down from this whole hustle and bustle and funeral and, and emotional overload to, you know, one week in absolute paradise. It was just really a beautiful kickoff tour around the world oh i love it absolutely want to go back. yeah <laughs> there's always the coming home mark. yeah <laughs> so people i think probably have a niggle about what do i do now and then they're moving yeah. forward yeah but they can still grieve normally in that kind of they can still do like the crying and the snotting and stuff oh, and the absolutely. anger and stuff like that so it's not cry, laugh, repeat. It's yeah. all part of it. <laughs> you should get merchandise on that. Get it on a t-shirt. That should be a new book title. <laughs> oh, your merchandise, yeah. <laughs> all of the above. Look at us. Yeah. <laughs> Brain on. <laughs> it's brilliant. So how do people know they're doing it right? Or is there no right way? How do they know they're moving forward with love if they're still angry and crying and snotting, repeating? <laughs> I'm going to give you a super simple answer. I believe people are doing it right when it feels right. That's the only answer I have for that. If it feels right, it is right. Yeah. If it doesn't feel right, you're doing something wrong. Like that simple. It is really, there's no other way to explain that. And well, the other word would be trust your gut instinct, trust your intuition. If it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. Yeah. But it's quite hard, mm. isn't it? Because it might not feel right because you've still got society going like, can't believe you're smiling. Oh my gosh, you've done her hair. Exactly. Going on holiday. Yeah. You know, yeah. where my you know, where my so and so died. I was like, so I think it's quite hard, yeah. isn't it, to let yeah. your inner voice Comparison, be louder. That. Yeah. It, yeah. it is yeah. hard. I think I mean griefs can be hard anyway, but I think, you know, when you've got people watching you grieve, it's just really yeah difficult sometimes isn't it as long as they just watch it's fine but when the judgment comes too loud that's when it interferes with your own cheering from the sidelines very (laughs) off-putting yeah (laughs) bless you i could speak to you all day i absolutely love it i know we're both very driven to make you know grief a positive yeah empowering kind of experience not for everyone but for those Mm. who are feeling stuck and want to try new ways they've tried the crying the snotting you know they've listened to society but you know they're they're young. They've still got the life. They've got family watching them. So mm. I could speak, speak to you all day. Um, how can people get in contact? You've got your book. Tell us about your book. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, it's quite easy to get in contact with me because the book and the movement have got the same title and that's loving life after loss. So uh, my book just comes as a Kindle version. So it's an ebook on Amazon and um, you know, loving life after loss. If you put the title in, you should find it. 
and also um, when you go into Facebook groups. Uh, so my movement is a Facebook group at the moment, but not just that, you know, there's um, groups outside of that group for various healing journeys and, and programs that are run. There's a retreat coming up in November. I absolutely, absolutely look forward to that because that's where we're going to incorporate the body work that we also yeah. chatted about um, in the pre-chat. Like, yeah, I believe that there needs body work needs to be done. There's grief stuff in cellular memory, all of that. So um, there's a program coming up for people who want to help as well, who've experienced loss themselves and have healed to a point where I'm like, I want to help other people just like you, Marie. Yes, please contact me. I need you because I've got this huge vision of changing the face of grief globally. There's 300 million people. don't know if you knew that each year affected, closely affected by a significant loss each wow. year. So I need an army of love. I want people to help yeah. me change the face of grief. And uh, yeah, there's all of that. Me. So the best way, the best, yes, please. <laughs> the details. So the best way is to either look for Loving Love After Loss on Facebook as a group, on Amazon as an ebook, or literally my website, which is marialessie.com. So it's quite simple to find me in either way. Fabulous. I just love speaking to you. I mean, so we've spoken before you, and I've been on your podcast, but I just think to be such a radiant being after, you know, such love with Rob, I just think you're the most inspirational woman. I really do, Marie. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you is a rubbish word because honestly, I appreciate you so much. So thank you for being here today <laughs> and for helping all the listeners. Thank you for having me. Bless yeah. you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at Shelley F. Knight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelley F. Knight and you've been amazing.